Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams, and today we are excited to be joined by Helen Tudor, Global DEI Lead, and Rona Gibson, U.S. DEI Lead for Sheffield Haworth. Today, these two diversity and inclusion experts will provide both a look back on diversity hiring trends, as well as a look forward to where we are going. They will also reflect on diversity trends in the U.S. and U.K. markets. Helen and Rona, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Nice to meet you. Thanks for this. Glad to have you both on the show, and I, I, I know you have a lot to share, so let's, let's jump right in. What was the state of play this time last year in terms of diversity hiring? Rona, I'll start with you. Um, so, Rob, uh, so I'm in the U.S. I'm in New York working for Sheffield Haworth, and I, I work with our global banking group as well as for our um, diversity efforts. And last year, this time was pre-George Floyd. So I would say that there was a lot of focus on gender diversity probably before that time and, and not as much focus on racial or ethnic diversity, um, which ended up being uh, far more focused once uh, the George Floyd incident happened. And that was at the end of May. So up to that time, I would say that for our clients, um, one of the, in terms of what they were looking for, they were definitely focused on di diversity and focused on finding women um, to um, boost their talent and their pipelines, um, but they weren't as focused on uh, underrepresented minorities. When the George Floyd incident happened and then there was worldwide protest, uh, I would say most of our clients and most corporations and most companies uh, got more focused on what can we do for underrepresented minorities, specifically black folks. And that um, played out all over the summer and is still, I think, on the forefront of our clients' concerns today. When you think of a, you know, if, if a talent acquisition person is going to wake up in the middle of the night and think of oh, what are the things that I need to do, um, or a manager is going to think of their top three hiring um, priorities, diversity is definitely in the top three if it's not number one. And I'd agree with that from a, a UK and EMEA perspective as well. Um, I think the other thing that I would add is this time last year when COVID was still this thing we weren't quite where we which we hadn't realized was going to have such a big impact on our lives and when it it did huge concern that the inclusion and diversity agendas were going to get dropped but actually the the if there is an upside the upside has been that it's it's really brought inclusion into really sharp focus and all of our all of our clients are much more understanding of the challenges around inclusion and how they need to um, adapt and how they have adapted to make their work their workplaces better. And uh, and so similar to the other trends we've seen, a lot more talk now and focus on what do we also do about disability inclusion because. You know the, the environment we now have 
means that people could work from home. We don't have to adapt an office where we might have thought that was tricky before. So we're seeing seeing a lot of new trends. You've both kind of touched on this already, but how have things changed since the Black Lives Matter movement and the events of 2020? How can you expand on that for me? Well, um, I think a lot of things have changed and a lot of things um, uh, are more, I guess, in focus for our clients, um, for executive search um, as a business as well. Um, so since the, since the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, it, it is just, I think it would just like COVID put healthcare in front of, of people and you had to deal, you know, with what does that mean? Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement definitely put, um, again, recruiting and, um, underrepresented minorities in focus. In addition, um, corporations also uh, needed to figure out sort of what were they doing, not just for uh, hiring, not just for recruiting, but sort of what messages were they making to the community? How are they supporting uh, communities and how are they supporting, um, you know, sort of the world in which they live? And so there were so, so many commitments to uh you know, new venture capital funds or new um, programs to help communities. And and then, of course, social justice statements that everybody was making. And so every single corporation probably made some kind of social justice statement and you learned about it on your social media or through LinkedIn. And and so it was a big education. for I think the world to realize that these these issues um, they were global and they were and they superseded sort of uh, where you sat, what you do, all that kind of stuff. It just made the world sort of all of a sudden just focus on this because it was a shock to the system. It was a terrible, terrible thing that happened, and um, I think since then uh, we've we've definitely heard from our clients in terms of there has been a little bit less focus on gender diversity. Not that anybody is not focused on that. They still want to make sure that when they when they uh, receive a long list or a short list that of course the women are on it, but they are, they are moving a, a little bit of their focus to make sure that underrepresented minorities aren't being left behind. Um, and if you think about what happened last summer, we had a health crisis, we had an economic crisis, and then we had a social justice crisis. So there were three pandemics as, as, as it were, and they're all happening at the same time. So a little bit of a perfect storm. Um, and with, there are certainly a lot of people who weren't able to adjust their, their roles or work from home. So with higher unemployment, you saw more people being able to protest um, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week. So I think it, um, I think it definitely just drove diversity, drove inclusion, drove, drove these ideas about what is equity, what is racial equity, what is parity, what do those things mean um, throughout corporate America and throughout America, and then I think also then throughout the world. Um, and Helen can talk more about London. 
Yeah, and certainly corporate world, UK and across Europe, there's there was a realization that they a lot of companies just didn't know their data on diversity. Um, they could look around the room and make guesses, but they they this recognition that they need to get better at tracking what their own diversity makeup is, and and then a real awakening to beginning to understand what that lived experience might be for somebody who isn't from the majority group within an organization and beginning to start listening in a very serious way to those lived experiences of employees or previous employees to help them learn and develop. Um, and I hadn't seen anything on taken so seriously before um, and and it was very rare um, for us to get asked specifically to go and find black talent. It was always assumed that would be part of it. Now the question is, we want to see black people on our shortlists. What differences have there been between the US and the UK that you can expand on? Well, I definitely feel like um, in conversation with my London colleagues that the U.S. might be a little bit ahead of London uh, and the U.K. uh, on these issues. So there were a lot of, um, as Helen spoke about, the conversations that people were having, there were a lot of courageous conversations that wound up happening at numerous, numerous companies where folks who look like me, who are black, uh, would um, would basically almost educate, you know, others around, you know, this is, you know, I might be an, a managing director in investment banking, um, but I can still be stopped by the police and be put in an uncomfortable and scary position. And so first there were those conversations, and I think those happened worldwide. Then there was, well, what are we going to do about it? Conversations. Because this is, diversity is a subject that people have been talking about for years. I mean, uh, we've been trying to diversify Wall Street ever since I got to Wall Street in 1987. So uh, just in terms of historical perspective, I, I got my job through Sponsors for Educational Opportunity, which is in both New York and in uh, the UK. Um or in the US and in the UK. So I definitely would say that there is a little bit of a difference in that, of course, we have to play catch up here. The numbers are atrocious, whether you're talking about leadership diversity or board diversity. I think the last number I saw on board diversity was is only about 3% black. And then if you see, you know, we just saw Ken, I think it's Ken Frazier step down. And so now there's only three you know, Fortune 500 companies that are led by black people. I mean, that's, you know, in the U.S. So there's so much um, movement and uh, motion and um, mission around diversity and a lot of talk. And then, like I said, now I think there's far more calls to action, which is why, you know, Helen's going to get that call from a client saying, hey, you know, not only do we want to see everybody, but please, please, please make sure that we see the black talent because um, 
you know, it's, it's super important to us now. And so I think that's the way the world has gone and it's a good thing. I don't think the genie's going to go back in the bottle either. I don't think anybody's going to get tired of this, this subject because until you have absolute, you know, reflection of the population in the U.S., the black population, I think, is around 12 percent. So we have a long way to go. Um, and then when it comes to gender and uh, diversity, I mean, if we are at 20 percent on boards for gender um, right now, I mean, obviously getting to 50 percent would be your next goal. So so lots of big goals. And again, transparency is really helpful when clients are able to look inside and say, you know what, this is what we are and, you know, this is where we're starting from and we now have goals um, to bring those numbers up and this is how we're doing it. And one way is to engage our search partners and another way is to make sure that we hire the right people at university and then another way is to make sure that we retain our talent in the right way and that we develop them to, into these leadership roles. Yeah, I, I'd echo what, what Rona says. I think the UK is behind the US and we are a lot less comfortable and confident in having the conversation. And that, that has been really hard for a lot of us. And I put myself in that same category over that the last um, eight, nine months has been a big learning experience for a lot of people um, to actually be able to have conversations around it and confront that things haven't just been okay because we've been getting along fine it's got a there's got to be a change these are very hard conversations to have and these are wonderful answers from both helen and rona are clients more focused on other areas of diversity beyond gender and underrepresented minorities Helen, why don't you take this one first? Sure. So I mentioned already that we're in the light of COVID, we've certainly seen um, disability come to the fore um, as a, there being a recognition of that that part of the workforce that hasn't been really um, really been made the most of, and that can now be um, contribute in a way that hadn't been anticipated um, or that hadn't been seen perhaps would be a better way of putting it. Um, so that's certainly become much more prominent. And I think just broadly, the whole world of, um, you know, in, in the professional life of doing these video calls constantly, and that window you have into other people's homes, that kind of recognition, how some people aren't comfortable sharing their background because they are a bit embarrassed about the environment they live in, or maybe they haven't come out at work and and they 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 would be feel awkward if their partner walked past and it wasn't what they think other people might be expecting to see so i think there's been more understanding of where inclusion i'd say has to where companies have to work better at, at inclusion in order to help all employees feel comfortable you know and, and in our um, organization that we we also um, are in um, countries where not well, not all aspects of inclusion are entirely in the open and um, you know and that has to you have to respect people's privacy and um, again I do think in terms of some of some aspects of diversity that the U.S. might be a, a, again a, maybe a step beyond but not not 
um, certainly where people want to go. So um, even uh, internally, what we've done um, in terms of our own global diversity working group, we have split how we think about diversity into gender diversity, ethnic diversity, LGBT, uh, differently abled, and neurodiversity. I think I hit them all. And, and so I think that um, we're doing that because we want to be helpful to clients as well as um, also think about what we're doing for our own culture. And I think that we are, I think clients are definitely more focused on all areas of diversity. Um, but again, underrepresented minorities seems to be um, what is sort of driving uh, the all the diverse the diversity conversation with most of our clients. Um, another thing that I would say the clients are doing uh, in terms of focusing on all areas of diversity is the role of this chief diversity officer. And that role has become incredibly important. And that role uh, deals beyond gender and underrepresented minorities. So we see a lot of our financial services clients and consultant clients all looking for the right chief diversity officer and then the right scope of role for that chief diversity officer. Does that person report into the CEO now? Or does that person still report to the chief human resources officer? Which makes a big difference, by the way, in terms of how we would view or how the world would view a company, right? If you have your chief diversity officer in your executive committee and speaking regularly to your CEO, that is a bigger commitment than having that person be where they used to be staffed under the chief human resources officer. So we're seeing a lot more of that as clients become more strategic. Now, of course, there's a little bit of an issue of trying to you know, have the chief diversity officer be the one person you know, at a company that's responsible for all diversity. That's just not how things work. Diversity is a top-down and bottom-up effort. And having, again, the right people in place helps. But, um, you know, the chief diversity officer needs everybody. Um, and I think that this is true, that everybody needs to be their own chief diversity officer at their company. Just pretend you're the CDO. What would you, what would you be doing next? to improve things. And that's how we'll get to the point of racial parity and racial justice and racial equality. And the same thing with gender. If everybody said, you know what, I'm not gonna leave this to my CDO. What can I do for my seat? There would be so much improvement everywhere. So that's another thing, it's another trend. Um, and it's pretty exciting to watch actually because you figure if people are gonna hire somebody to do that job, they're gonna be focused on the job. And then they're going to be focused on success factors for that job. And I think that all of that will drive diversity throughout companies that are making these investments. Can you tell us some of the initiatives you've put in place to assist clients and uh, with hiring diverse candidates? Um, sure. So first of all, our, our, um, the ASC put together a pledge last summer 
um, uh, against racism and against discrimination and social justice. And then we signed that pledge um, and then we put together our own pledge. So, you know, so we were, we stood in support um, of the AESC, which is the, the Association of Executive Search and Leadership Consultants. Um, so we signed our pledge uh, to, and to share a commitment to combat racism, prejudice, and discrimination within our own organizations and with the candidates and clients that we serve and in our communities. And we also pledge to use our voice and actions to help create a world that is inclusive, diverse, equitable, and accessible for all. So those are the words, but in terms of the actions, um, then we also took the pledge one step further uh, in interviewing and presenting candidates to our clients, we're going to proactively seek to provide our clients with the diverse candidate selection at both what we call the long list and the short list stages. So um, one of our pledges was that we would ask our clients to ensure that all diverse candidates remain on the long list. So that's if you if we have done research and we've discovered diverse candidates, they stay on the long list and that all, all diverse candidates who are presented at the shortlist are interviewed. And we're trying to you know, nudge and move our clients along on this. And we're hoping that this will be helpful, again, to drive diverse outcomes and to have more diverse candidates in the pipeline. Because if you have more diverse candidates in the pipeline, you're more likely to make a diverse hire. And there has been some other research that suggests if you only have one diversity candidate in the pipeline, the chances of that person getting the job are pretty low. But if you have more than one, then you're more likely to maybe have a diverse outcome or an outcome that is, you know, just almost as good as, you know, maybe that the, the diversity candidate doesn't fill the job or fill the role that you have them in for, but the, the client likes the diversity candidate so much they create a job for them. And so these are the kinds of things that we're trying to do is to bring uh, diverse candidates into the process early um, because sometimes it's harder for diverse candidates to leave their firm if they're doing well. They're being well paid and, and given responsibility and people know that they're in demand. So, you know, they might be harder to move. So we bring them, try to bring them in early and try to make sure that they get every chance at um, getting the role. And I think clients are taking a much more strategic view now as well, a much more long-term view. Um, and that's really great that, that we're able to help them with that longer-term planning, help them think about, well, where are the alternative talent pools? So you know, we, we know where I, I work in one particular sector, which is consulting and technology. Rona works in banking. Where can we share those talent pools? Where can we say to clients, actually, you know, if you could, if you could just look a bit differently, you could do it this way. And some of that, so that's some of the exciting stuff we're able to help clients with really practically straight away um, and, and help them think differently about what they're looking for. So I think that what Helen is alluding to is really interesting. And one other initiative that we have done for clients is that clients have actually come to us to help them uh, map diverse talent specifically. And so when we do that, um, you know, we want to make sure that that map is actually used. And so it's great that we've been, I, I would say that it maybe five, 10 years ago, folks would ask you for a map 
of diverse candidates, but then they wouldn't do anything with it. The map ended up just being some, a, a point of conversation. People talked about it, but didn't do much. And I would say uh, more lately that people not only are wanting to map diverse talents, but they're wanting to then take that map and use that as a guidepost in order to help them you know, hire more diversity, whatever diversity that they are focused on. And so we have been doing that for clients recently. And these these initiatives have been extremely successful. Um, you know, in one area of global markets, we were able to map, say, 17 potential candidates that a client was interested in looking at further. And then we went on from there to help them hire, you know, a number of folks from that list. So we're discovering that um, not only knowing where the where the talent is sitting, but putting together an active diversity hiring plan and assisting clients with the, that has been super helpful and very effective. Well, there's no question diversity hiring is here to stay, and that is something that all leaders will have to adjust to if they haven't already, and they really should have. This has been extremely insightful, and we appreciate both of you taking time today to join the show. Uh, Helen and Rona, thank you both so much. Really great answers and really great to meet both of you. Great to meet you too. Thank you. That's all the time we have today. Alongside Helen Tudor and Rona Gibson of Sheffield Haworth, I'm Rob Adams, and this has been Talent Talks.